Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sungai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sungai with you as normal. Some show notes today before we jump into it with our guest. If you're looking for some professional wrestling, Tonight, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana at the Arena. Paradigm Pro Wrestling in Jeffersonville, Indiana at the Arena in Jeffersonville. New South in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. RVW in Scipio, Indiana. And All-Star Wrestling in Milton, West Virginia. Tomorrow night, Paul Cade in New Albany, Indiana, which is where you can find me raising funds for both the Humane Society, and the family of the late Sean Patrick O'Brien. Also tomorrow, MCIW in Indianapolis, Indiana. BTW in Wayne, West Virginia. New Era Wrestling in Shelbyville, Indiana. BMFX in Lafayette, Indiana. AACW in Kokomo, Indiana. APW in Norwood, Ohio. 907 in Anchorage, Alaska. APW in Corbin, Kentucky, JCW in Brownstown, Michigan, Dive Wrestling in Ogden, Utah, Powerbomb Wrestling and Comedy in Portland, Oregon, All-Star Wrestling in Madison, West Virginia, LSBW in Bedford, Texas, PPW in Bedford, Indiana, SRCW in Thomasville, Georgia, and MWA happening in Arlington Heights, Illinois tomorrow. But without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest back to the show, someone we always delight in having here with us, Bob Cook. Thank you so much for being here and taking time to be with us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. You know who's probably never said what you just said? My ex-wife. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Glad to have me on. Wait a minute now. Well, we definitely are. Now, for the people that are not overly familiar, and I think most listeners today will be, you come from the great state of Florida, which has a very rich, very long history in professional wrestling. It goes back many decades Eddie Graham sort of built it into its own territory where it thrived for years and years. The Crockett's ran Florida. WWE has had many shows there. AEW is based out of Florida. So it has gone from the beginning up until current day being a major hotbed. What is it like coming from a place that has such a storied tradition in the business of pro wrestling? What was that again? What what was the what it was like to come from that? Or yes, I mean, 
for me as a kid, obviously, if I, I mean, I don't know if I would have watched wrestling anywhere else. You just never know because you, know, you can't predict what the past was. But I got hooked on wrestling in 1975, and it was because of championship wrestling from Florida. And it was the best ever in my mind. And I think most people who lived here, obviously, everybody has their favorite based on their areas. But it was just a great area, great territory. All the legends came through here, superstar Billy Graham and Ox Baker and Joel Duke, the Briscoes, the Funk, Steve Kerr and Mike Graham, you name it, they were here. And I got to see them all when I was a kid. And that right there is what they call those cherished memories that will probably fade when I'm sitting in a wheelchair and they're trying to feed me with uh, baby food and I'm spitting it out because I don't know where I am. But that's next week, by the way. But that's, uh, you know, until then, I'm going to hold on to those memories. In Florida, there were, in the territorial days, a few promotions that popped up towards the end. A few guys tried to run Florida when the main territory wasn't doing so well. Um, PWF ran in the very late 80s, early 90s. You had a few other groups that came through Florida, especially uh, when they were trying to run at the Universal Studios and things like that to get television. When you look at when you were actively in wrestling and you saw all the smaller startup promotions pop up in Florida, did you think that they were going to thrive in that area, or did you think that the glory days of wrestling were sort of gone with the Grams? Well, you always hope, but those those things popped up after the original Florida wrestling was killed by Jim Crockett in 1987, and Mike Graham, Steve Kern, and Gordon Sully started Florida Championship Wrestling up as an offshoot from Championship Wrestling from Florida in 88, and then Dusty came in, I think it was late 88, and turned it into PWF when he found a money mark, and that lasted for a while. So you always hope things would go better because or you know go well because they had a lot of the big names. But with the WWE and their uh, media machine, and they were just getting bigger and bigger, and and then they would, like, they got Dusty away from Florida, and I think it was 89, right, when he came in for the polka dot deal, and, and that certainly didn't help the PWF. And the IWF was run by Eddie Mansfield in the early 90s, who I worked I worked for all of them, which was awesome. Eddie's a great friend. I just got a text from him 13 minutes ago. But you always hope something's going to, you know, I don't really think of it that way. Like, well, this is going to be successful. I just lived in the moment. had a blast. And then when they fold, you're like, well, don't blame me. Even though I've been part of everyone that folded, it's not my fault. (laughs) As Jimmy Garver would say. Now, just recently, one of the people that was in Florida for a while and had a career that spanned all over the globe, uh, we lost Butch Miller recently. I know he was very beloved within the world of professional wrestling. I'm sure you were on shows with him at some point in time or another. What are some of your memories of the late Butch Miller? Uh, he was a great guy. Yeah, I was on a lot of shows with him and Luke back in the in the 80s here in Florida, and I'm still good friends with Luke. And I haven't seen Butch in, in years, but we were Facebook friends as, as the the new generation is. But I can tell you a funny story about Butch if you want to hear it. It was uh, the Tallahassee Civic Center in 87. And I don't remember who him and Luke were working, but 
they came back to the dressing room and Bill Alfonso was the referee. And they came back to the dressing room and Butch started yelling at Bill. I mean, it's right in his face. You son of a this, blah, blah, every word. I mean, it would make an entire shipload of sailors blush. It was a perfectly expletive, is that the word, laden tirade that would, you know, make YouTube a billion hits if it was videoed. And everybody in the dressing room, like Kevin Sullivan's in there, all the big names of the era that were part of Florida, and he's just laying into him. And, and Bill's just like, what did I do wrong? He, he, you, know, you do you don't ever referee my match again, blah, blah, blah. Just imagine that, right? And then Butch storms out. And then two seconds later, he comes back in and he goes, so who's getting the Academy Award this year? <laughs> you know, the whole locker room just burst into laughter because we all thought he was serious because we'd never seen him be like that before because Butch was like, and Luke, both just great guys, the kind of guys you want in a dressing room, happy go lucky, having a good time. And so everybody's just like in shock. Oh, man, he must have really pissed him off, Bill. And then it was just a joke. Guess you had to be there. How did Bill Alfonso find it very funny in the moment? Not while he was being laid into afterwards, obviously. You know, he laughed and, you know, they hugged and you know, all that stuff that you do. But at, in the moment, certainly he's just like, you know, shaking in his shoes, basically. Like, oh, my God, what I do? The thing of beauty. One of the things that you did in your career, and I don't think it's a secret at this point in time, but you would sometimes wear a mask to wrestle, and mask wrestlers go back well over 100 years. Uh, there's, As long as there's been a professional wrestling, there's been a masked wrestler in it. Did you personally enjoy wrestling in a mask, or did you find it uh, something less than enjoyable for yourself? Uh, when I was the masked superstar and I wore that particular mask and that style of mask, it wasn't my favorite thing, but it's like anything else. You get used to it, you know, because there's like breathing constraint. In my case, it was a benefit because I can't see very well without my glasses, so I naturally squinted a lot. But when you're in the wrestling, or when you're wearing a mask, you do that anyways, just because the mask is so tight. But when uh, Jerry Gray and I were the Mighty Yankees, and Mike Graham and Steve Kerr, or Mike Graham and Kevin Sullivan put us together, and we're the Mighty Yankees in Florida, we had to wear the mask like Mr. Wrestling Two wore, which was this: they slip over your head and they they tied us in the front of the back, but not laced down the back. So they they were they weren't as tight, and they just fit different and. A lot of guys used to like to rib you in, in the match, and they'd try to twist your mask sideways. You couldn't see at all, you know. But that wasn't my favorite type of mask. But I didn't mind it because I had a lot of fun doing it because I was always the heel, and it's always more fun to be the heel. So, you know, and I always liked mask wrestlers when I was a kid growing up. Like if I was in the – you remember the old wrestling magazines? They used to have a pen pal section. And, well, you might be too young for that. But one of the old wrestling magazines, they called me After Mag. They always had a pen pal section. And I sent my picture and all that and information in for that. And at the time, they'd list your favorite wrestler. This is like 1977 or something. My favorite wrestler was the Spoiler at the time because he was here in Florida causing havoc. He was a mask guy in case you don't know who the Spoiler is. Don Jardine, I believe. Exactly. Bingo. I like that. History. you got to know it to appreciate it. Yes, indeed. I he was like a 
superstar Billy Graham. He had that he had an awesome, unique voice that was just made for wrestling interviews. Indeed, and without the spoiler, the Undertaker probably wouldn't have his old school move. So anyone Quite that thinks the Undertaker yeah. invented that, they haven't seen the spoiler. Yep. Kind of sad he never got a classic wrestling superstar action figure because he deserved it. Absolutely. And when you were in the business initially, it was in a time where a lot of gimmicks were being put out there, especially like places like the WWF and ICW, places like that. They would be sort of gimmick heavy and focus more on that than they would in-ring talent a lot of times. In your career, were you ever approached with doing a gimmick that you declined to do that later someone else picked up and made work? No. <laughs> but, you know, wrestling's had that forever. I mean, think back in the the way back days. Gorgeous George, although he was a great wrestler, was an awesome gimmick. Haystacks Calhoun, big fat slob, couldn't hardly move. But he was a gimmick, you know. Now, was there ever a gimmick that you heard about that you wished you could have got in place of somebody else that eventually wound up in the gimmick? Uh, I mean, I, there was times where I was supposed to be something and wasn't. Like, I was originally supposed to be in the tag team with Mark Canterbury as part of the Tex Flassinger and Shanghai Pierce. Remember that? I was supposed yeah. to be the Dennis Knight's, uh, the other part, the partner before Dennis Knight. I didn't know it at the time, like as it was happening, I didn't know that because I, uh, what I, I had hurt my knee. I blew my knee out and had to have knee surgery, or maybe it wasn't that time. I know it was the knee. I hurt my knee, but I don't know if it's the time I had to have surgery. But and and uh, they had brought Dennis in, who's also he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong, I love Dennis. He's been a friend forever. And he deserved it. But I was standing by the curtain watching the matches with Barry Windham. And they were in the ring. And Barry goes, Bob, you know that was supposed to be you. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, you're supposed to be uh, Mark's partner. And I was like, ah. He's like, but you hurt your knee. And I was like, oh, man, you know. But that happened. So you would have been Shanghai Pierce. Huh? You would have been Shanghai Pierce. Maybe. I don't know how how it would have worked because they put the mask on on Mark, so who knows? I don't know if they would have just changed my name or who knows? Yeah, wrestling, they do whatever they want. Might have both wore masks, who knows? Very, very true. But that was that was four times in WCW that I was offered opportunities and I blew them all, so it's on me, not them. And not opportunities, I wouldn't have become a big star, but you know, I just would have worked more, made more money. Speaking of WCW, one of the people that was in charge at WCW is someone that sort of laid groundwork for the company becoming successful, but he's not really mentioned when it comes to the history of the promotion, and he's sort of a footnote because he wasn't there a great deal of time. That being K. Allen Fry, who led the company for 
several months in 1992. He was known to give bonuses to the best match of the night. He was uh, increasing the pay of the wrestlers to try to make them happy. He made changes to WCW Saturday night to try to modernize the TV show. Did you have an opinion on K. Allen Fry and or what he was doing with WCW at the time? You know, guys like that were so far in the background for the, for us, especially the position I was in. You know, I just did what I was told. And I don't ever know if I ever met him or saw him at a show. I'm, maybe I did, but he just wasn't wasn't like real visible or or you know, he wasn't. I guess that's what you call. It. I don't know. But although I did benefit one night because I think it was Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat who won the benefit, won the benefit, won the bonus. And then Rude bought us all drinks all night at the bar. <laughs> so thank you, Kip Fry and Rick Rude. Rest in peace, one, and I don't know if the other one's dead. And when you heard of WCW instituting the bonuses, was that something that a lot of guys went out and tried to actively get, or was it something that the office offered it, but the wrestlers didn't really change how they were going to work in the ring. Yeah, I really can't speak for them. I don't know, because it didn't apply to me or my position. Because so, that was more for classic champions and pay-per-views and stuff like that. and was a, such a short-lived thing. I don't know if they told the guys that, even, or if it was something. Because it's been so long, I don't remember if they... If they made an announcement or say, oh, look, guys, the guys who had the best, because that kind of can cause a lot of dissension, right? Say, okay, the guys who had the best match get all this extra money. And then everybody goes out there and they think they have the best match and they give it to these guys. And they're like, well, I thought I had the best match. Yeah, I don't know how that works. But so I think the guys just took pride in what they did, went out there, did the best they could every time. And, and whoever decided on who had the best match is who decided. I don't know <laughs> if that makes any sense. It definitely does. In your day, you were regarded, along with people like Bobby Eaton and Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk, as having one of the best punches in the business. It was often brought up on television whenever you wrestled by the announcers that you had one of the best punches in wrestling. One of the other moves that was known to create a lot of talk on who had the best one is the drop kick. And the drop kick goes back to the birth of professional wrestling. It's always been there. There's been dozens of guys that have thrown very, very good drop kicks. There's been a lot of guys that have thrown horrible drop kicks. Based on your own opinion and observances as someone that's been in the ring a few times yourself. Who would you say has that all-time best drop kick? All-time, you know, I can only speak for people I've worked with because to me, the best drop kick isn't necessary. It is. It's a lot of factors, right? What it looks like, how high it is, the whole thing. But does it hurt your opponent? Like if you have a drop kick that looks like it took a guy's head off, and it did. That's not a good drop kick, no matter how you slice it. Because the guy who got his head taken off is going, hey, 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 where's my teeth? But I go with Dean Malenko because Dean Malenko, besides the fact I think he was the best wrestler I've ever been in the ring with because he was just the best, 
he could drop kick you off the top rope right to your face, and it looked like it took your head off, and all you fought, felt was the bump you took off the drop kick. That is a great drop kick because the art of wrestling is to make it look like you're hurting your opponent, not actually doing it. If you want to hurt your opponent, go to the UFC or get married. Oh, did I say that? That's not a good, that's not a good thing to say. But anyways, yeah. And by the way, don't um, get married. That's a horrible decision. Public service announcement there. Uh, this week in particular, it came to the wrestling social media that the old controversy of should people take pictures with fellow wrestlers or not, there was a time when it was frowned upon and looked down upon because it had the stigma of not being professional in more recent years, you've seen that relaxed and people want to have the memories and they want to have that physical representation of their career. I know you've been very outspoken on take the pictures and getting <laughs> pictures with the people in the business that you work with, whether it's once or a hundred times. Can you tell us a little bit on your philosophy on taking the pictures? Well, I can say, just based on my horrible memories, I honestly don't ever remember being told, don't take pictures with the guy. That wasn't like, you know, Great Malenko's not sitting there going, okay, do this with a headlock takedown, do a drop toe hold, take a bump like this. Oh, by the way, don't take a picture. Oh, no, here's how you do a suplex. I don't ever remember him mentioning that. And because of that, I, I've always said, and I've and never seen people not take pictures when the opportunity came up. You know, even way back in my day, I missed out on doing a lot of pictures. A lot of times you missed out because you didn't have cameras with you. You didn't think about it. It wasn't part of your thought process. And unfortunately, I wish it was. You know, obviously you wouldn't have cell phones, but I wish I would have brought a camera with me everywhere and took pictures because I don't even have pictures with a great Malenko. And that bothers me. I don't have pictures with Bruno and Andre and Dusty and Lou Fez and all these, and Carl Gotch, all these awesome people and legends and wrestling that I had the opportunity to meet. And some of them, you know, actually meet several times. And I don't have any pictures. Why should that be frowned upon? If you love wrestling, and that should be your only reason to get in it anyway. And obviously you want to make money, but very few people actually do that. Why not have those memories when that's all you have left? You know, I, I, I've been posting a lot. I've been doing this take-the-picture thing now. This, I've been having fun with it. It's because of some guy who poses as a angry wrestling vet that no one's ever heard of, you know, posts all these rants. And it's probably just a gimmick anyways, but he posts all these rants and different opinions he has about wrestling etiquette and blah, blah, blah. But of all the things, of all the benign things, right, you can think about, taking a picture with somebody, seriously? I mean, sure, if they're taking a piss, maybe you don't want to take a picture. Even though there's a famous picture of Dusty and Andre standing at a urinal and Dusty's touching Andre's butt as a joke and Andre's look, looking at him like, what the hell? No, that's a freaking hilarious picture, right? But uh, why wouldn't you want to take pictures, you know? Crazy. I agree and I, and with I, you. I was just going to say, and I, and I made a post about it recently about Ric Flair. I saw all kinds of guys. I don't have a picture with him. Which sucks. The only pictures I have are ones I've frozen from the time I wrestled them. And, you know, it's a screenshot. But I saw guys all the time. 
ask Flair if they could take a picture of you know guys, no matter who they were, not just big stars. They do whatever they want, but the guys like in my position, if you want to call it. And he was always super nice to him, smile, happy. He would, hey, thanks for asking. I appreciate it. You guys have a nice trip, safe trip, whatever. He's always cool with the people about that. So why wouldn't you want to do that? You're chronicling your house. And I, I mentioned this in a post, or maybe it's someone, a comment on some, and I'm sorry I'm rambling, but Bugsy McGraw, who's a legendary wrestler, he has a great scrapbook of his wrestling career. He has everything, like, from, you know, newspaper clippings, magazine articles, programs, posters, ticket stubs, from the beginning to the end. And he has lots of pictures of the people he met through the years. And he didn't think about, you know, he was thinking about himself, which is what you should do in this situation, because, like, I've been posting on Facebook, it's your memories, it's your life, it's your rules. Don't let some idiot tell you. You're going to, you know, if you say, hey, don't, oh, don't bother him, don't take a picture of him, that's stupid. You're going to look like a mark. And then 10 years later, or even a day later, the person you wanted to take a picture with is dead, or you just never meet him again. You know, what are you, it's crazy. Of all the things in the world, right? We're going to have nuclear wars soon. China's going to kill us. Russia's going to kill us. We're going to kill them, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, don't take a picture. Oh, watch for the nukes, you know, of all the things not to, to, to be important in your life. Well, it looks like we have a caller on the line, perhaps, with a question. Let's check that out. Do we have the caller from the 912 on the line? Yes. Did you have a question for Bob Cook? Is this the legendary Bob Cook, the cooker? Yes, it is. I don't know about legendary, but everybody calls me the cooker, and you know why? Because the legendary Terry Funk first started doing it in 1986, and it's stuck ever since. Who doesn't love Terry Funk? I know I do. I know that's right, Bob. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If anybody's got a chance to go to YouTube and look at some old wrestling matches of Bob Cook, I'm going to tell you something. There wasn't a move that there wasn't a move he could not do. And it's just yeah. an honor to be able to talk to you. I appreciate it. And you can yeah, say thank you to the great Malenko for anything that I might have done that people went, hey, he did that right. That's the great Malenko, not me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I guess you train by by the best, you know. The great Malenko is definitely still well known. Yeah, he's definitely the best. And, uh, not only as a wrestler, yeah. but a human being. But anyway, uh, uh, I was wanting to know if uh, you ever pass away, if I could be a pallbearer for you. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to need all I can get. Although I'm trying to lose weight to uh, lighten the load. So I'm down about yeah, 80 how pounds. Much you down so, you know, I'm down what, about, I'm about I'm under 250 finally. Which is, you know, still oh, no. that's that's, that's good weight. That's about, yeah. yeah, that's about perfect weight right there, two fifty. Mm-hmm. Nah, I wanna I wanna lose another thirty. Man, two twenty, my gosh. You'd be skinning bones. Yeah. Well that'd be the first time. <laughs> but anyway, uh yeah, going on the picture the the pictures, yeah, you need to take a picture anytime you get a chance. Because, uh, like you said, those opportunities may not come back around. And and when uh, I think about this, it's kind of almost, at least in the last couple of days, it's almost like a movement. And a lot of the big names like Sean Waltman and Bully Ray and a bunch of the others are standing up for the idea to take those pictures. You're you're crazy not to. If the opportunity is there, don't miss it. How many opportunities in life have we missed? And we just go, oh, man, I wish that I wish that I wish I I'm sick of wishing. Well, I I guess a lot of it. 
would because of the uh, probably the fear of rejection. You know, it's like taking a picture with a pros, like being able to walk up to a girl you don't know, and your buddies is pushing you to go talk to her, and you're scared as hell. Yeah, and, and and that that was a factor back in the day to a degree just in your own mind. Even if you weren't told to do it, you're like, well, I don't want to bother. Like, I can tell a story real quick if anybody wants to hear it. Yeah, go ahead. In 1992, I think, they had the 25th anniversary or 20th anniversary of wrestling on WTBS. They brought in Andre the Giant and Bruno and a bunch of the legends, and even Hank Aaron. I even met Hank Aaron at the show. And they had a, a big after party. It was held at the center stage in Tampa, or Tampa in Atlanta. And at the after party, Bruno Sammartino and Andre were sitting at the bar, and they're talking. They're having a good time. Everybody's having a good time. And I'm standing close by. And George Natalapano, who was a famous photographer for Wrestling World magazine at that time, was standing there with his camera because he always had his camera. And I knew George, and I thought to myself, man, what, a, what an opportunity. I should go over and, and take a, get him to take a picture of me with Andre. That would be awesome, right? And Andre and Bruno. I mean. yeah. And when they're talking and they're drinking and they're having a good time, and I'm like, ah, man, I don't want to bother. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother. So I let it go. I didn't take a picture with Hank Aaron, which I showed him. I mean, Hank Aaron's for a legendary baseball player, and I don't even like baseball. But a few months later, to make this story longer, and I'll try to short it up, <laughs> but a few months later, I open up an issue of Wrestling World magazine, and there's a picture of Andre and Bruno at that bar with George Napolitano himself. So I went, I looked at mm. it, and I went, you dummy. Why didn't you ask yeah. him to take that picture? But anyways, take those pictures. That right opportunity. That opportunity. Exactly. Those are two legends. Yeah. You uh, get to shake Andre's hand that day, and that was an experience in itself. So, you know, the one possible professional wrestler that I would hesitate to walk up and ask for a picture would be Big Van Vader. Yeah, I probably would have hesitated <laughs> that too because he was the biggest jerk I ever met in my life. So that's probably a good a good thing to hesitate about. <laughs> he probably wouldn't yeah, have done it. Yeah. I, I, I'd hesitate with him, especially how rough he was. Yeah, but, and I know he's dead, people, so don't write letters or send emails. I know he's dead. You're not supposed to be, speak ill of the dead. But here's a lesson for you people. If you're an asshole in life, you're an asshole in death. Vader, yeah. rest easy, kid, because you're an asshole in life. There you go. Right. I, said it. I, could, I could see that point. <laughs> All right, well, caller, thank you for calling in. We appreciate yeah, it. And okay. Bob, enjoy I the sure rest of the show. Did you have any other questions? Yeah, and appreciate you sharing that information. Hey, thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. All right, well, Bob, one of the things we like to do on this show is a game we call Word Association. You've done it before. I'll throw out the names of some people that you most likely cross paths with and your career, the first word or two that comes to mind is the answer. Are you ready to do a little bit of word association? Sure. As long as I don't have to spell, I'll be all right. I don't think you'll have to spell anything, but here we go. First name, Ole Anderson. Always nice to me. Always. And I Lord Littlebrook. He's a great heel. Never met him. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. He, he was a nice guy, right? He used to manage, like, uh, uh, what's her name? I can't think of her name right now in, here in WCW. Uh, he was a nice guy, yeah. Jack Victory and Rip Morgan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a nice guy. 
next name on the list, Leilani Kai. Oh, I love her. Love her. She's a she's a friend. I have nothing but respect for her. Love her, love her, love her. The Haitian sensation Tyree Pride. Great guy. I've known him since he started, wrestled him many times. He was trained by the great Malenko. Nothing bad to say about him. Always fun. Although he did body slam me in a boxing ring once. It was so hard. And before we went, I'm just, I know I'm going on, but was, the ring was so hard, Malenko warned everybody. He said, don't slam anybody because that ring is hard. It was in the Bahamas. And Tyree slammed him, slammed me, and Malenko chewed him out right in front of everybody. I mean, the crowd. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I like Ty- Tyree's great. The Sheik. Well, I met him a few times back in like 89, 90 here in Florida. Great guy. He was fun to be around. Uh, I even got an autographed picture from him without even asking. He just gave it to me. Still have it. Wish I could find it because it'd probably go for a lot on eBay right now. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, great guy. And he's always been one of my favorites because he was a guy who believed in KF. I know I'm going on with these answers, but believed in kayfabe and stuck to it. Charlie Norris. I don't remember meeting him much. I'm not, maybe I did. I don't. I know he recently passed away. And rest in peace, Charlie. I don't. I don't. I don't think I ever worked with him. Jesse Ventura, great guy. Uh, always fun to be around. Always nice to me. Put me over huge on all the WCW shows. Would give me advice after a match or congrat or uh, what's the word? Compliment me if I did good. Great guy. Lee Scott. Lee's guy. Yeah, Lee was cool. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He was, he was like in my position in WCW, right? Teamed with him yeah. a few times, I think, against the Freebirds and probably Brian Pillman and Z-Man and others. But, yeah, Lee was great. I heard it. I think he passed away. Maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Jerry Gray. Oh, uh, one of my best friends. I don't see him as much as I'd like. He's been suffering the last few years with cancer and, and you know, when he's got a beat it comes back and you know that kind of scenario oh thanks god i'll say a prayer hasn't helped yet but anyways that's a whole other story we don't want to get into that story but yeah i love jerry jerry man he was one of the best I've ever been in the ring with absolutely have tag team partner one-on-one awesome guy butch reed butch reed yeah i don't know didn't know butch real well i had a few matches with him he was great nice guy easy so nothing bad to say about him Final name on the list, Hector Guerrero. Uh, Hector, he comes to our Legends Lounge. He's a nice guy. I've known him, for, obviously, forever. Wrestled him a few times, even when he was Lasertron. Remember the Lasertron gimmick back when Laser Tag was popular in the 80s? Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's certainly one of the greats. Comes from a legendary family. Nothing bad to say about Hector. I think he's a school teacher now. But, yeah, he comes to our Legends Lunches in Tampa uh, most of the time. One of the things I know you're really big on in recent years are the reunions, whether it's the lunch there in Tampa or the CAC or another convention. I know you go to a lot of these and reunite with people that you had worked with in the past or wrestlers that maybe you hadn't worked with that have seen and known about. What is it that attracts you to these gatherings of the wrestlers, uh, no matter which convention it is? 
Well, it's, it's almost like family reunions in most cases, especially our Legends lunches in Tampa that Brian Blair puts on and has been doing for over 20 years. I'm not open to fans, although there have been fans that have become friends with us over the years that are invited to the lunches. But they're just a great gathering of well, – it's like old friends mostly, again, as far as the Legends lunch goes because we're all local. But the other ones, like the Cali for Alley Club, which, by the way, I always like to plug. If you're not a member of the Cali for Alley, Alley Club and you're in the business or a wrestling fan, you should be ashamed of yourself. CaliFireAlleyClub.org, join the club. It benefits people in the business who've fallen on hard times. I'm not ashamed to admit they have helped me over the years, including last year when the hurricane came, tearing through our city and left us in a mess. But anyways, uh, they're just a great town. I'm going to a, a convention with a friend in June called the River City Comic Con, not Comic Con, River City Wrestling Con in Jacksonville. And it's going to be all kinds of people that I haven't seen in years. Dean Malenko is going to be there. I love Dean. I haven't seen him since 2015. And just a bunch of other guys. For me, it's just going to go. What I like to do is go there and see if people I haven't seen in years remember me, right? That makes you feel good. Like I went last year in the Rock and Roll Express who I hadn't seen in years. They they remember me. I was like, oh, crap, they remember me. <laughs> that kind of stuff makes you feel good. So that's why I go to feel good. There we go. One of the people that goes to quite a few of the conventions as well is someone I know you have known fairly well throughout your career, one of the legendary minds, that being Kevin Sullivan. He still sought after not only at the convention circuit, but a lot of independent companies want him on their shows, whether it is to help with the creative end of things or do announcing for them to lend credibility or whatever else he brings to the table, which is quite a bit. How grateful have you been to be able to work with someone like Kevin Sullivan for so long and do conventions with him and so forth and so on and have that mind available to you? I love Kevin. He's been helpful to me throughout all the time I was in wrestling. Not all, but since 86 when I first met him. He's the one who gave us the Mighty Yankee gimmick with Jerry Gray and let us be the Florida Tech Team Champions. And But actually, you mentioned Kevin Sullivan. It was with him and Andrew Anderson is who me and my friend get in to the Jacksonville uh, show as our in. You know, like to go there, we hang out with them mostly, but, you know, go around and see everybody. And they were there last year. So Kevin's a great guy. And they're actually restarting Florida Championship Wrestling or Championship Wrestling from Florida. I think their first TV is next month. And Kevin is one of the forces behind the scenes, as should be. Hopefully it'll be successful. We're hoping good things come out of that for sure. Yeah, they've got Ken Grell and, and Bill Alfonso and others involved. Obviously, others, because you can't do a show with just three people. <laughs> I know that wasn't bad. Well, you can. We've done that a few times in hotel rooms after the shows. Oh, I said it. Yes, oh. I did. Too bad we didn't have cameras. Well, maybe it's better we didn't. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of that, there is a famous story in wrestling where the grappler was in Calgary and held a championship, and he called a young Bobby Fulton to his hotel room, asked if he could do a small package. When Fulton told him he could, he had him give a small package to the grappler. Grappler counted one, two, three, handed Fulton the belt, and he left the territory. Did you ever hear of 
things like that happening in places where you worked? No, I never heard of that, and I don't think I ever heard that story, unless it's in his book, because if you like wrestling biographies, the crappler, who's also a great guy, Lynn Denton, he's, he's, I've met him several times. Uh, his book is great. He might be on that book. I haven't read it in years, but it's a great book for anybody who likes to read wrestling books. Although we're talking Absolutely. about wrestling, can I... asking any of them read? Oh, I said it again. That's not nice. Buy Uh-oh. my T-shirt. Now they're not going to. Thanks for that. You ruined it. Uh, you worked in quite a few places in your career. Uh, the wrestling landscape was starting to change when you broke into the business, so there were fewer territories. But it was sort of towards the end of that time frame when you were starting, so we still got to wrestle in Memphis and for some of the Florida promotions and Crockett and things of that nature. Were there any full-time wrestling territories that you never got to wrestle for that you most wish you had made a trip and wrestled for them at least a few matches? Oh, sure. I would have loved to work for Bill Watson in Mid-South and – in Texas for the Von Erichs and all those places. I never did anything in the AWA. It just would have been fun to say you did. Even if I did get to wrestle a lot of people who were in those territories, it would have been fun to be part of that for, for briefly. But, you know, I don't look back and, like, regret anything like that. It would have just been fun. Like, there's certain people I wish I could have worked with. I wish I would have been able to work with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and one of and Terry Taylor and Ted DiBiase are, like, the top four I wish I would have had a opportunity to work with back in my back in my day. Now at any point in your career did you contact a promoter in like an area out of where you normally wrestled and negotiate and come close to being there or was it just something that you may have liked to have gone there but didn't really pursue anything? Yeah, you know, I I remember back in the 80s, Billy Jack had started a territory opposition to Portland Wrestling with Don Owens, and I had sent him pictures at the request of somebody. might have been the great Malenko or I don't know. And I talked to him on the phone about coming out there. I'm so glad I didn't because Billy was, uh, well, Billy's Billy, and you know what that's like. So it's a good thing you didn't actually go. And then I did send pictures and stuff to Memphis is how I got in Memphis the first time in 87. Uh, you know, because that was what you did back then. You just sent pictures, and if you were lucky, you had, had videotapes, you send those too. But, and then Jerry Jarrett called me and brought me in a guy named Bucky Sigler in there briefly as the Southern Boys, but that was just a, like a two-week thing. And it was fun, but he didn't make any money, so I was glad when we got fired. Thanks, Randy Hales. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about Kyrie Pride, and he's one of just many, many guys that wrestled in seemingly one spot for most of their career. They didn't really travel outside of their home base. Uh, Like every territory pretty much had one or two guys like that that never really left and just stayed in one spot. Who do you think, out of guys like that, might have been a national star if they would have decided to travel more? 
Yeah, I can't think of anybody offhand that would, you know, I don't know. I mean, and I don't know their situation. I don't remember enough about Tyree to know his personal life. Like, did he wrestle and have a good job on the side or did he wrestle and get hurt and then find a good job? Or, yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for, you know, that. I don't know. I can't think of anybody who did that and that could be a big star, you know. Most of them are like me, where they had fun in the territory and couldn't have been a big star anywhere else because they weren't a big star in the territory. <laughs> oh, Tyree was a few more... years ago, uh, the Florida Library was sort of reintroduced to wrestling fans. There were DVDs made and pay-per-views made. Mike Graham and Kevin Sullivan did wraparounds on some of the matches. And that sort of repopularized the Florida Territory at that time in the early 2000s. When that happened, did you see a resurgence of people sort of recognizing you from Florida, uh, having watched the tapes, even though they were older, uh, just hitting the market again? No. <laughs> Although I was on some of those uh, DVDs that Mike and them put out, which was cool to be on them, you know. Never got any money for it. Hmm. But that's the wrestling business, you know. That was like a an argument for that back in the old when they started the network, people getting paid for stuff. But that's not how the wrestling business works. Can't change the way it is just because you didn't like it uh, now. You loved it then, you know. Obviously, our careers are a little bit different within the wrestling business because whether you're low on the totem pole or midway or at the top of the totem pole, there's going to be that visibility factor from the general public, especially when you're doing television and so many eyes can see you on TV, even if they never come out to the arenas. Do you remember a particular moment you had, whether it was in the market or at the post office or just whatever you were doing in your daily life where all of a sudden fans were recognizing you and wanting pictures and autographs? No, that never happened. <laughs> Most of the fans that wanted pictures with me was the fat ones. I don't know why. Not fair if you ask me. But, you know, the fans weren't as disrespectful in those days. They didn't look at you like a job or whatever. They might have, they might not have thought you won very often because you didn't, but they were always nice to you. And, hey, you get them next time. You know, they weren't just, they weren't as judgmental because they didn't understand uh, so much of the behind-the-scenes stuff as they all think they do now. Fair enough. Are you also in your career – like we've said earlier, had done a lot of tag team matches, and that's sort of a different animal from singles wrestling. We know you were almost the partner of me, Mark Canterbury, at one point. Did you ever discuss forming permanent tag teams with any other wrestlers that didn't actually come to fruition, or was that something that you let the office handle? Well, I never discussed it, but I mean, speaking from just the WCW standpoint, I mean, and again, go back to Florida with Kevin Sullivan and Mike Rand that put Jerry Gray and I together as the Mighty Yankees, and and WCW, I was 
Dusty was going to tag me with Tom Pritchard at one time before he was the Heavenly Bodies, and that didn't work out because of me. And then he was going to make me part of the State Patrol with Buddy Lee Parker, and I screwed that up. And then Joe Cruz and I were going to be the new assassins, and we were going to be managed by Jody Hamilton, the original assassin. Even went to the power plant, trained with Jody and DDP, learning different tag techniques and stuff. But screwed that up, too. So, you know. (laughs) One of the people in wrestling that I know you wrestled and were around him quite a bit, he was never known as necessarily the greatest in-ring talent, but he could cut a promo, he could announce, he could do a lot of the verbal roles. He later went on to creative in WWE. I'm talking about Michael Hayes. He often has been controversial in his career, but he Definitely has had an impact as far as the business goes. Did you personally enjoy being around Michael Hayes and the things that he brought to the table, or did you see him as not as big an asset as he might have proclaimed he was? No, I always liked Michael. He was always cool to me. He was very easy to wrestle. And I thought he was really good for, you know, obviously he's better in the tag team role just because it was a, it's a freebird gimmick. I mean, it's legendary. You know, you can't uh, can't criticize success. And he's definitely got a creative mind, and he knows how to cut those promos. Remember that that time he went on Raw just cold one night and cut that promo on, I think it was an Edge, or I don't remember where he went crazy. It was Or maybe it was the Hardys. Or, I don't remember. No, he was managing the Hardys at that time, where he cut that promo. It was fantastic. And he just did it off the top of his head, and his, his thing wasn't, and afterwards, nobody came up to him and asked him how he did that, you know. But, yeah, I think Michael Hayes is a great asset. One, because he has that great mind. He has that ability to teach. And he loves the business. You want guys like that around as long as you can have them because they are a dying breed. And I don't mean that uh, uh, to any kind of, like, uh, omen or anything. But, you know what I'm saying, that's why a lot of the things we see today in wrestling aren't what we saw years ago is because the guys who taught the things that need to be taught are no longer here to do it. Uh, if someone came to you today and they had an interest in getting into the professional wrestling industry and they were going to get into the business regardless of anything, what are some of the schools that you would suggest they research and train with that are still out there today? I would definitely check out Dustin Rhodes School. Dustin's one of the best. He certainly has the old school mentality. Cody Rhodes School, certainly. Uh, there's a school in Tampa run by Jay Letho, uh, David Mercury, and Big Con from uh, uh, who was part of the tag team of the Ascension, I think. He's a great guy. They're all great guys. Uh, Alex Porto runs an awesome school out of Orlando. Uh, oh, Gangrel and all them for the company who's starting championship wrestling in Florida. Their other company is a Coastal Championship Wrestling. They run a great school. And those are just the ones that I know the people personally. I mean, I don't know Cody Rhodes personally, but, I mean, obviously Cody Rhodes is one of the best, so why wouldn't you want to learn from Cody Rhodes, right? And I know he also, sure. he also had some, like, G. Ray, Ray Glacier, Ray Lloyd, 
Ray Glacier, Glacier Ray Lloyd, who's also a great guy, is one of his teachers and stuff. So those are the kind of people I would definitely check those out. And there's so many nowadays. I can't speak for all of them, but. Now, if you look at the landscape from when you were training with the great Malenko to what the landscape is now with some of these schools you mentioned, what do you think are some of the biggest differences as far as what wrestling training is? Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of – and speaking, go for the WWE. Obviously, they have a fantastic training center at their uh, performance. Center. I mean, state of the art, everything. But then getting those kind of situations, almost like uh, the factory cookie cutter. You know, they're just going through the process, and that's great. That's the way it is. But Malenko, because it wasn't as big of a school when it comes to not only students, but certainly wasn't high tech. I'll tell you that. You know, he could be more one on one with you and give you that that real training, you're not just, you know, part of the conveyor belt. That might be one of the differences, if anything. I don't know. I think I think probably every school has a plus to it. Then the less minuses, the better. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever those might be, I don't even know. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure you have ample time. If there's anything you would like to say in closing, if you want to plug and promote Anything and everything, social medias, merchandise, upcoming appearances, your favorite charity, anything at all, floor is all yours. Well, my favorite charity is me, uh, as selfish as that is. But we're in a selfish world, right, 2023? Most people don't even hold a door for anybody anymore. But I say in the selfish me charity aspect, go to ProRestingTees.com and please buy a PopCook T-shirt because as I was talking to you earlier, Mountain Dew's not free, and coffins definitely aren't, and I'm going to need both of those, one sooner than the other. And I'm talking about the coffin. Ho! But And uh, join the Cauliflower Alley Club. That's how I say. As far as the other stuff, I don't know. You can follow me on, uh, what do you call that, Facebook, and just uh, make fun of the things I post. I don't know. <laughs> Although I will block you if you're too sensitive, because I'm sensitive. You know, Don't get too hard on the making fun of. I do that myself every time I look in the mirror. Bob Cook, as usual, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We definitely appreciate you taking time to be with us, and hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. I appreciate you having me on, and like always, I I apologize if I offended anybody, and if I didn't, I'll try harder next time. Yes! All right, we will definitely try harder the next time to get those offended, but... Fans, if you've not gotten familiar with Bob Cook, definitely remedy that. Tons and tons out there. So research out one of the best punches in the business. And we will be back with you next week, next Friday afternoon. Isaiah Boner from the great state of Michigan will be with us. No show this particular Sunday as I am on the road And if you are anywhere close to New Albany, Indiana tomorrow, come by, see if some tickets have opened up for Paul Cade. It is a sellout, but once they do the final setup for the show, there might be some tickets open up. So if you've not got a ticket, don't lose 
all hope there still might be a few open tomorrow, but come out, support two great causes. I will be there in person on the show. Definitely come ask for a picture if you want. So everybody stay safe out there. Go find yourself some professional wrestling wherever it may be near you, and we will talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.